Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure this is math. Tom? <laughs> Robert? Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, let's go! How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? So, here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super Auto geeks. Pilot is All on. the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. Yep. I remember that. You've got a Model X. seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. All right, Tom Tesla, uh, 67. I'm here with the beautiful Tom Wilson. 67? You just 65? aged us what two doing? shows. I don't know what's going we, on. It's, we just got Social Security. Now we're back to what? Well, we maybe to, we uh, delayed our, our 267, so we got a little extra cash. Is that what just happened? Something happened there, but it's really talking about oh, yeah. 65. I'm here in uh, beautiful Woodland Hills, California, freezing cold, windy. It's about 50 degrees. My toes nah. and my <laughs> genitals are falling off from the cold. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit, yeah. And Robert is in a place that's just slightly colder. Where are you, Robert? I'm in Boulder, Colorado, having just come through the Monument Valley, the Moab, the Grand, that is Canyon. And uh, today is actually quite warm. I'm looking at my Apple Watch. It's, since we set up the, the call, it's gone from 17 to 21 degrees. Barmy. Absolutely also, barmy. Also Fahrenheit. Also we, of the Fahrenheit. <laughs> now, the Fahrenheit Celsius exchange rate is very difficult. But yeah. uh, I do know that when you get to zero in either one of those – yeah. It's cold. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's correct. my working that is, sort of method of yeah, dealing with That's your knowledge it. of that yeah. system, having grown up with, with it. Having grown up with Celsius and having moved to Fahrenheit, yeah. it's very difficult. But zero is bad. Zero. I can tell you, though, <laughs> at, at 21 degrees, that's quite pleasant because, uh, let's see, last night we were in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. There is a bit of a cold snap going on these days. And so we were in Glenwood Springs, Colorado last uh, the night before last at a beautiful, uh, I think it was a Marriott hotel, and it was right across from the supercharger. This will lead me into one of our our stories, I promise. Mm. And so, uh, or I'll get back to it. And so (laughs) we go out, we plug the car in. After we've unloaded the car, walk back. um, Actually, my wife did it. Thank you, wife. And uh, I was going to go out and unplug the car from the supercharger, which is across a fairly large parking lot. And I get out there with my son, who wanted to experience... A negative one with the wind chill. That's very cold. It was seven degrees on the thermometer with a four mile an hour wind or so. It was was so cold. I spent two minutes outside and with clothing on, my face felt like it was going to crack and fall off. The uh, global warming, you know, I personally have a lot of angst about it, but um, I think it's probably the right thing to do. Just, <laughs> these places need to warm up a little bit. They're not two degrees. That's no. why they started calling it climate change. They should just increase it some more, like 20, 30 degrees. people are like, it's a snowball. What can be fun about that? That's right. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So uh, Robert's over there in the Colorado Plateau. But yeah. I went and saw Rogue One, which makes me the most special of all. Has anybody else seen Rogue One? Tonight I have a Ticate. No, I want to see it tonight. Oh, I don't want to give anything away. Because you don't want me to kill you? Yeah. But, Mostly? But – Spoiler alert. Wait, no. It's no. about Star Wars. Hold on a second. Yeah. 
and 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 hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's not about another giant round empire run weapon that has one singular weakness. Now, um, <laughs> don't want to give anything away, Tom. Roger that. But it might. <laughs> I got to say, um, seriously, we were watching the. Uh, uh, the pre-roll, the coming soon's, the trailers, the trailers, mm-hmm. and uh, there was Fast and Furious eighty-seven. Mm, that's trailer. good, yeah. That's and my good. son turns to me and goes, um, "Why do they keep making the same movie over and over again?" I said, "Well, because it makes money." Yeah. And then he paused for a second. He goes, "But hang on a second, this is the eighth Star Wars movie with the same story." That is correct. The difference is, uh huh, they do a very good job, unlike mm, Fast and that's- Furious. But that's all about perspective, right? Because if, if you're a fast, lunatic car dude, you're like, Fast and Furious, oh, gotta have no, it. No, I think demonstrably and quite objectively, <laughs> Star Wars is 87,000 times better than Fast and Furious. I'm just saying. Even the middle three? I mean, I don't want to get into a whole Star Wars <laughs> thing here. but oh, that's true. There <laughs> but there's, I have one thing to say to you, my friend. Jar. Yeah. Jar yeah. Binks. Why do people hate on the Jar Jar? Okay, I he's re- a very good Sal. I recently watched oh, The God. Phantom Menace, and that I was open minded, and that particular character is very, very, very bad. Yes. This week <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, the tech giants met with the Donald. The saddest billionaire meeting ever. Oh, oh, my gosh. Did you see? So they go in there and it's like, you guys are doing a good job. It's great. Keep doing it. Um, <laughs> but they didn't – I haven't seen any pictures of them coming out. But my uh, my impression is that they'll all be looking down at the ground, shaking their heads. I saying, saw oh, photos. No, oh, no. How did they look? No, they weren't happy people. These weren't happy mm-hmm. people even though – Every single one of them left with an extra pallet of cash. <laughs> oh, my gosh. An extra pallet of cash? What Be- do you mean? Because of the tax breaks they're all about to get <laughs> from see. the Donald. They're like, all right, well, this sucks, but at least I'm getting an extra pallet of cash. Um, well, I wonder who's going to crack and who's going to write the Muslim tracking algorithm? Oh, uh, somebody will. It's very, it's very sad. You know, the, I read this great editorial saying, yeah, um, put all this pressure and let's bring Apple back uh, to the United States and manufacture in the United States because American robots really need to build some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. Well, now that Elon owns the biggest – one of the biggest robot factories, I guess we could call it sort of American robots instead of German robots. It's interesting that uh, – I have lots of angst about the Donald and uh, we'll talk more about it later, but not too much. But this transition to automation in manufacturing is really starting to explode. Foxconn, for example, just a week or two ago laid off 60,000 workers, 60,000 in one week. That's a lot. As they added more robots. Okay, let's talk about superchargers. Superchargers, ladies and gentlemen, this is from People hate it when I do that. But <laughs> they, uh, here in the electrics, they said Tesla recently updated its plans for superchargers in 2017. Mm. So, uh, you know, they have here's the superchargers that are here now, here's the superchargers that are coming. So they flipped uh, from here's the superchargers that are coming in 2016 to here are the superchargers coming in 2017. They did that, Tom, because next year is actually not 2016. Next year is actually 2000. And let me do the math here 17. And by next year, you mean like 
two weeks from today. Like two weeks <laughs> from now. Okay. So lots of new superchargers, particularly in Hawaii and Mexico, Taiwan, Korea, and the Z that is new. More extensive coverage in the U.S. mainland. There was some delays for the planned superchargers in 2016. They said there's a, a number that were coming that didn't, which is sort of goes to what we were saying a few weeks ago, that there seems to be less rollout of superchargers than we would have liked. They did not meet their goals. And so this is good. A lot more coming, uh, but still it's not enough, but I'm trying to be calm. Because every week on Talking Tesla, Mel can't have a hissy fit about how there is not enough superchargers. It's not okay. It, except for it just happened, kind of. It sort of happened just now. <laughs> I'm learning from the dog. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. All right? I'm not going to talk about it, but I just did. Yeah. All right? Good. Well, having gone through a lot of superchargers where I was the only Tesla, it was kind of refreshing. I think, I think Mel, you should go on a trip like this. Go cover the Southwest and go to places where not a lot of Teslas manage to go in the dead of winter. Like Blanding, Utah, and Grand Junction, Colorado, and all these super cold, super cold places. The Tesla, it does great. I love the superchargers. And uh, the only problem is when the handle freezes in the car. And you actually have to, like, kind of, I, I felt kind of um, hesitant to sort of bang on the sides of the handle to get it to come out. My son told me about his experience. I was like... Don't break the car. <laughs> but it, it ended up working. They should. They could put a little warmer in that thing, couldn't they, Thomas? Oh, now you want a warmer before you wanted a cooler. You people are out of your minds, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, there's not enough superchargers. And you know what? You know what? This story, this comment by our lovely Mr. Robert has brought up to me. What? The lovely? fact that... If all of the superchargers we go to around us, up and down the state of California, are busy, this is a beautiful thing. We have done a good job. The car is getting out there because in places where Robert is, where there are plenty of superchargers and no cars, that's sad. It is a double-edged sword, I'll give you that. And you know what happens with a double-edged sword? You get cut coming and going. going. It's bad both ways. So, yes. California, lots of cars that are electric, that's good. Uh, Superchargers that are always full, that's bad because that will prevent people from wanting to get electric cars. So we need more. It is though, it is though a bummer because uh, when you're driving, you have to be quite crafty in how you guide the car because you kind of have to go the supercharger way. And I wanted to go see the Monument Valley, the valley that is full of monuments, and have some beautiful pictures. But that was kind of a trick. I um. I had to go to some like little town out of the way because they happened to have – no, it was actually called uh, Gouldings, Gouldings, Utah. It's just north of the border of Utah. It's in uh, Navajo Reservation Territory and they have an RV park where Tesla owners go to charge up because it's the only way to link like the Grand Canyon to the canyon lands. Uh, and so we had to go there for a – Kind of a mediocre lunch and sit for two and a half hours on a, wow. on a you know fifty amp circuit. Was there but, a cost? Uh, yes, I think it was ten or fifteen dollars. But since I had no choice in the matter, I was not in a negotiating mood nor <laughs> it could in have a been complaining $50 mood. Fifty dollars. <laughs> I was just right. curious. I wasn't. That wasn't. Uh, you know. Wasn't, that wasn't snuck. Wasn't judgy. No. No. no not judgy. whatsoever. No, no. I was just curious if they charged the fine Tesla folks. You know, I do. Well, it was wonder- very nice. That- 
Go ahead. I would wonder if uh, somebody is doing the math going in these places where there's not a supercharger, um, solar array, uh, a couple of different fast charging AC and DC things. Is there enough uh, electric cars coming through the valley that is a monument and this kind of thing? Is there a business model for somebody out there to go uh, helping sort of build out fast charging networks? I think there kind of has to be at some point, but there isn't right now. Well, this is basically what it was like in the early Tesla days of sponging off RV parks. So you would go, you'd find an RV park, hopefully one that had some facilities that were interesting. And so, uh, you know, they don't want a supercharger there because they would rather have you stick around for two or three hours and walk through the gift shop and eat in the restaurant and maybe go in the museum and have a little tour. And honestly, that was all really cool. It was kind of cool to be hanging out in the Navajo reservation and talking to the people. And, you know, my wife got a bracelet. I looked at some pretty cool stuff. I think I bought an arrowhead. That's right. I do. I have an arrowhead. We could do the math on it one day, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, where we say, okay, solar panels keep coming down in price. Uh, Tesla power walls come down in price, not power poles. You want the big ones. Power packs. At what point could you throw up an installation of your own sort of supercharger or fast charging network for like 50,000? What would be the payback period? I could do the math on that. Right, but a power pack... Power pack, the price has Currently, come down, but solar panels. 200 kilowatt hours, yeah, correct, yeah. of storage. So not a lot of charging happening with that thing. Yeah. I still think it has to be grid-tied at this point to be financially viable. At this point, absolutely. At this point, not. But I'm just thinking in the future, it could be to the point where you, Tom, say, I've got 50 Me? grand in my pocket. 50 grand, yeah. And I'm going to go build myself a little kiosk. I'm going to sell some drinks. And uh-huh. I'm going to put up a big solar panel because mm-hmm. they're so cheap now. And the power packs are so cheap now. And I'm going to have my own little business out in the middle yeah. of the Navajo desert. But a thousand cars would have to come through at fifty bucks a piece, or say just to break, just to like. Yeah, it's going to take a while to pay it over, like five years or something. But we could do math. We could do math. Well, some of us could do math. So to sort of put a button or a bow, as it were, put something on this on this, thing. I think on this whole thing. At this point. There's forty eight hundred superchargers on this map of which we have been speaking. Speaking, spoking, I think it's spoking. Right. Yeah, I think that might spoke. be correct. Yeah, at over seven hundred and sixty-nine locations around this great blue ball that we're all spinning around on. That's six point two per location. That's that's not nothing. And and as we've seen, most of them don't have people at them. When you think there are a billion cars on the road. Billion. And there's 700 and whatever in, uh, superchargers. We have a lot of work to do. That was 4,800 superchargers in 769 places. So We need uh, 100,000 times that many. So more than an order of magnitude is yeah, what you're saying. a couple of magnitudes that are mm. orderly. Let's talk about <laughs> charge for parking. TechCrunch is reporting this, and we're very excited. So last week we talked about the fact that Elon, in a tweet, said we're going to stop this situation where people plug in their Teslas, walk away for three, four, five walk days. Walk away. <laughs> and then they days. come back and uh, they have, uh, you know, basically filled up the supercharger network and pissed a lot of people off. Well, he said, well, here's what we're going to do. You're going to get charged now 40 cents per minute after Whoa. you're fully charged. 40 cents a minute. That's Did you do the math on that? I did the math on that. $24 an hour. 
which even probably in Manhattan is expensive parking. Um, you get a five-minute no. grace period. So it's going to say, uh, here's a text message. Uh, you fall, you better get off. You fall, you better go off. If you go past five minutes, then it starts charging you for the five minutes that you've been over plus whatever time you've been there. So, yeah, this is $24 per hour. And if you park it there for eight hours, it's $192. And Tesla said, we hope never to make money from this. We just want to create this disincentive for people for plugging in, charging all the way up, and not unplugging. And I think this will help. It's not going to hurt. I saw that and I thought, wow, this is great. And then I started having the situations that I had when I was on this trip. And so, again, the other morning when we woke up in, uh, what was it? Uh, I have to look at the map. Glenwood Springs, Colorado, right? We went out, we plugged in the car, and it was negative one with the wind chill factor. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting in the hotel room and the car is charging and I could see it from the distance. You know, it's across the parking lot and it's going and I could even play, you know, flash the lights. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. And then, and then it's like 1145 at night and the car is full. This whole time, no one has pulled up to this supercharger. The wind is blowing. The snow is blowing. It's so, so cold. And I'm thinking to myself, Elon is telling us all we're going to have to start paying to sit at the supercharger. What about this situation? This does not feel like so cool. This is where we need to have more destination chargers or just freaking plugs in the wall, right? We've talked about this. So you could gauge how long you need to be there, how long you want to be there. So then I noticed that Elon sent a tweet and he said, tweet. we're going to modify this so that people only pay a fee if most bays are occupied. If the site is basically deserted, no problem to park. And I thought, wow, I was going to have a whole rant about this. And Elon just pulled my plug. <laughs> no pun intended. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, they are obviously going to use their big data so they know who's at the superchargers and how many are empty. And, yeah, this is sort of an easy software algorithm to deal with. There are five empty ones and there's one guy plugged in all night. That's fine. So uh, – I like it. I'm excited about this. I hope that there are some really rich people who just want to park all night plugged in because that'll help build out the supercharging. But network. let me ask you a question about our local supercharging where we've talked about yes. this many, many times. Take as much as you just need to move on yes. and stop, right? Which is really what you guys have talked about. Take as much as you need and stop. This particular program is about fully – doesn't charge until the cars are fully charged, which you know – and I know, and at this point, most of our listeners know, that last little fullness takes can take quite a while. So yeah, you don't about, need that. It's about 30 minutes from 0 to 80% and 30 minutes from 80 to 100%. So I agree. But I was thinking about, like we talked about, well, just uh, put in how much charge you need and then it'll kick me off. But most people are going to work out if I stay a little bit too long because I stayed in REI too long because I only really need 50 miles. They're going to start charging me. Everybody's going to say, I need 100% to make sure. So I don't know how they fix that. Yeah. It's either 100% or it's not at all. Now, maybe they can say on really busy days, you're only allowed to get to an 80% charge or something like that. But I can see people getting pissed Yeah, they that. can't do that. It has to be 100% or nothing. I don't see how else they can get around it. I think it gets us closer, but I don't think it's a perfect solution because of that particular thing, to be honest with you. you now, know, this, I, I think we should look back in history at what happened from the period of like 1904 to 1920, doo when doo cars doo doo became... Doo doo thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> cars became more ubiquitous, right? There were was horse buggy, carriage, stagecoach before... 1904. And now 
at 1904, cars start to be, you know, put out in significant numbers. What was it like to fill your car, right? You would go to some dude who had, like, I don't know, a barrel of oil, and he'd just sort of ladle it into your car (laughs) to making gas stations. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of the, the historical writings from that period of time would mimic or at least sort of Uh, show us what it's like to move from one type of economy to another type of economy. Uh, Yeah, excuse me, uh, pardon me, can I get uh, four or five ladles of your finest Uh, premium (laughs) gasoline? Where are you ladling this? I don't know. (laughs) Which way? That was just a voice, man. It was funny, and I just came up with it. (laughs) It's good. The funny part is like, I'd like a few ladles of gasoline. (laughs) Ladle, ladle, ladle. Listen, your people have a song about that. I made it out of kryptonite or something. Wow. None of that is accurate, and and a whole bunch of our Jewish listeners are now like, F-mel. Well, I didn't say anything bad. You've got I a mean, song. Okay, let me make fun of Jesus' songs. I didn't make fun of the song. You kind of did a little bit. A little, little bit. tiny it's bit. Uh, maybe I'm just sensitive. Just a few days ago, we were having a discussion about exactly what a ladle is, and I had the revelation. I've been hearing that song all my life. I have no idea what a ladle is. The song Apparently, is... Apparently, that's what it is. <laughs> it's about a dreidel. You know that, oh right? My God. It's not <laughs> even a ladle. <laughs> This is the problem. Oh, You're not even smart enough to know oh, you're being inaccurate. That is Let's insert funny. the song now. Hey, the, yeah. the I have a little dreidel. I made it out of clay. When it's dry and ready, oh, dreidel, I shall play. Oh, dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, oh, dreidel, I shall play. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was the Jewish a cappella group, Sheer Soul. The things you learn in talking Tesla. Or at least the things that I learn in talking Tesla. There is no end. The word is dreidel. <laughs> it's a spinning top. That's what they were saying. I'm like, I don't... What? A spinning top? <laughs> Not I thought a, it was... <laughs> yeah. Bunch of Jewish kids oh, like, let's get so some soup. Funny. Oh, <laughs> that's my ignorance. Mom, you know, mom no the Jewish mom may have ladled some chicken noodle soup prior to the children playing with their dreidels. That's wow. that's about as close oh, as it gets. I'm the stupidest person. That is amazing. It's a spinning top. That's why my other Jewish friend Robert, other Robert, sent me a spinning top for yeah, the holiday. That's called a dreidel. And that's I'm like, got doodle. A little doodle. symbol on each four what? sides. Each of four and sides. And I think it's I think it's actually rather uh, interesting that Jewish people teach their young children to play with this dreidel, which is a spinning top, which is actually a gambling game. That and if you correct. look at the rules of the game, it's about gambling and stealing other kids' gold-covered uh, chocolate coins. Winning, not stealing, winning. I'm sorry, it's winning. It's a game of yes. chance. Yes. Oh, dear. But how do you get electricity in your car with a spinning top? I still don't know how you do you that. You don't, because we're not talking about that. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Wow. Let's please move uh, on. This week in religious history. <laughs> um, the was at the Model S. Inside EV says this. Was, who has a Model S, was mm-hmm. talking uh, a big story about getting a Bolt. His wife uh, just recently got him a replacement S, apparently. And uh, he was all about the Bolt, saying it's so good and it's a lot better. He said, I'm considering the Bolt. It has lots of things that is nicer than the Tesla, but I'm concerned about how it would work on our favoured road trips like Robert here is doing. So far, Tesla's the only game in town for that. So uh, Thomas said this many times. What is the difference between all electric cars and the Tesla currently? 
Supercharging. Supercharging. If you want to go like the Woz or the Robert and drive around this fair country or your fair country, depending which country you're in, the only way you're going to do it easily on an EV is with supercharging. And we've even heard, even with supercharging in the United States, with a big network, still is some issues in some places. There is. You have to go around some things. I have a question. Go ahead. I saw the quote from Woz, quote, a lot of things nicer about it than the Tesla, end quote. Like what? Well, he didn't I'm, explain, but the comments no. are, there were some interesting uh, things in the comments section that sort of addressed a few of those things. One gentleman was like, it's smaller and easier to park in cities that are big, like San Francisco. I honestly couldn't even imagine trying to drive an X around the city of San Francisco and trying to find a parking spot. And I don't know if that's where the Waz happens to be living, but. That could be okay. one thing, and that Next. I can't think of anything else. To be I can. Yeah. Uh, Apple Play. Oh, there you go. Nail. Game set and match. Robert. Apple Play. Boom. Now the Tesla interface for audio and stuff is actually pretty good, but people who really live within the Apple universe and have Apple Play say it's so great to just get in your car, plug it in, and boom, and there's all your Apple stuff right there. So that's another reason. Do Why th- doesn't Tesla do that? How cool would Apple Play be on that 17-inch th- screen? Do you think Waz has figured out – maybe Waz is mad because he can't get his Newton to attach to, <laughs> to, the, to the Tesla. Uh, do not diss the Waz. Maybe the, uh, I maybe thought I was bolt. dissing the Newton right there, not the Waz. Maybe the Bolt is a lot easier to hack. So if you have IT skills – you can hack it and do all kinds of stuff to it that makes it, you know, more personal for you. Hey, I don't think the Woz has those skills. I tried to get in a bolt over the weekend. Oh, you did? I did. And? I called several of the local Chevrolet dealers because uh-huh. a friend of mine was like, my local Chevrolet dealer has one. And it's the fully loaded white one, Ooh. like the the unicorn. The unicorn Apparently of that's cars. the one they made a lot of. And then I called that local Chevrolet dealer, and they had none on their lot. And they had none in my local Chevrolet dealer. Nobody had one still is what I was told anyways, even though he claimed to have seen one. I uh, called the uh, Thousand Oaks place down the road, the uh, Chevrolet uh, dealer, mm-hmm. and said, do you have any? He goes, no, we got seven in, and they're all gone. We're getting 25 more in next week. Half of them have deposits. So if you come in and put a deposit, then you might be able to get your buttocks in one in early January. Nice. Jan- so Grandpa is still waiting. Grandpa- and Tom is still waiting. Grandpa and Tom are still waiting. Now, Grandpa threw this at me. He's like, I really like my Hyundai. He's got a Hyundai minivan. He's had mm-hmm. it for... 10 years, and it said it's the best car I've ever had, and he's had a lot of cars, he's 85 years old. So he's like, oh, they've got a plug-in Hyundai Sonata. So he went down to the Hyundai dealer and said, no, nah, too low for a grandma, so he didn't want them. Then I said to him, hey, what about the BMW i3? That kind of sits up like a, sort of an SUV, and he doesn't need a lot of range. 100 miles would be enough, and then a little gas backup that doesn't work very well that we did a few weeks ago. But what about that one? So he's going to go sit his buttocks in one of those. Buttocks. Because the Bolt is really hard fine right now. Yeah. I have a suggestion. You know, I used to work in East LA at uh, Beverly Hospital, and I would say that Grandpa should take whatever he buys down there and have the boys just work on it and put a little air suspension on it, and then he can bounce Grandma in and out <laughs> oh. of the car. Oh, he's going to be a lowrider. Grandpa, the lowrider. That'd be cool. There, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go on. PG&E is scaling back EV charges. This is from Mercury News, which I believe is up uh, where Elon has the factory, isn't it? Up there? 
up there it's near in San, San Jose. It's right San near Jose. the San Jose Mercury. So uh, PG&E's big electric company here in California, they'd planned on installing 25,000 EV chargers throughout the state. Now it's only going to be 7,500. The cost to the customer is 22 cents per month, which doesn't sound like too much. But they said the 25,000 EV chargers would have cost them too much. They need to stay cost competitive in this market. Now, that's not very interesting to you because you don't live in California or you don't live up there and PG&E is not your uh, electric company. But there was a side note that I found very interesting and it said this, Jerry Brown, the governor of the uh, California, wants a million EVs on the roads by 2020. So three, four years from now, Correct. three years from now, and 1.5 by 2025. And am I crazy? Tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm crazy. You're the, crazy. The Tesla alone could have 1.5 million Teslas on the road by 2025. Well, Tesla alone. They're the only company that's got a goal of that at the moment, right? No other company's like, we're making 500,000 of these in the next six months, 500,000 of these in the next 18 months. Like, no one's ever said that. Chevy's like... We're going to make 30000 Yeah, well, I just think this is conservative because I think they're going to sell like the cakes that are quite warm. But they're not all going to sell in California. One in eight cars in the United States is sold in California. In terms of EVs, it's going to be like one in three. I don't know that number. I'm making it up, pulling it out of my buttocks. But maybe even more than but that. But if Tesla makes yeah. one million cars, that means 300,000 of them in California. Just, you know... Quick math. Doing the math. Well, they're get, I just saying by 2025, I think there'll be a lot more than 1.5 million cars in California as it secedes from the union. I hear you. I think it's interesting. The whole story is interesting about this PG&E thing. They went from 25,000, like you said, down to 7,500, 22 cents per customer. Whether those customers have EVs or not, they're going to put this system in public facilities, workplaces, multi-unit dwellings is one of the things they want. And 10% of this going to go into disadvantaged com- communities. I'm not 100% sure if I was a PG&E rate holder that I would be supercharged by and super oh, charged. Ha- oh, <laughs> supercharged by this news. And maybe they scaled it back because it was going to be, my guess is if you do the math, it was probably going to be more than a dollar. Or yeah. eighty cents a month for each rate payer, and I think that's exactly what it is. You can get away with twenty-two cents a month. Doesn't sound like too much, even to somebody who's really you know living on the edge. Okay, I can probably do twenty-two cents a month, but if you start talking a couple of bucks a month, then that can be a big issue. So I think you're right. Yeah, I like the idea though, and I wonder if part of the motivation here is not because they're good and wonderful people, but as Elon and the Strobel were talking about. The opportunity for the electric generating industry is quite enormous. Here. Yeah, that if they can get uh, high widespread adoption of electric cars and their plugs everywhere and they charge you an appropriate amount of money for the electricity, they could be generating three times as much energy as they are right now, which is really good for them. So if I was uh, the owner of a large electric generating company or companies, I'd want EVs everywhere and I'm going to charge you to fill them up. Yeah, that was the one thing about this plan that was not clear whether or not these were going to be pay-per-use chargers. But my guess is, since they're owned by PG&E, they would be. My guess is the rate payers that were already PG&E customers would probably get a little bit of a discount. I attached a little document to the notes from the California Public Utilities Commission, sort of outlining the original program and what the program has turned into with graphs and charts and footnotes and a bibliography at the end of it. All kinds of information. I can't wait to finish this show so <laughs> that I can read those. Let's talk about autonomous driving. This is from Let's. 9news.au. You know what .au is? It means uh, it's in gold. 
Uh, no. Because that's the symbol for gold, it's is it not? It's the country of Austria. Should it? No. Aust- no. no. It's not Austria It's not either. a dreidel? Not a ladle? <laughs> not a ladle Don't dreidel. Don't is not Austria? No, it's shouldn't Australia. It be- oh, but- Australia. <laughs> but now we've learned, shouldn't it really be OU for Australia? Exactly. Australia. Australia, man. So, um, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Now, um, let's do an origin story on that. Where does that come from? From the Olympics, I believe. I don't know. You cannot walk around an Olympic village for five minutes without hearing, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. You can't go to any international sporting <laughs> event where there are Australians and not hear that. Origin story, please, Australians. Get back to me. All right. So, Model X, uh, driving around. Uh, mind its own business when all of a sudden it's got autopilot running. It's got the new one, not the not the uh, hardware 2.0, but the software 2.0. And it's cruising around and it's looking at the car in front of it and it's looking at the car in front of that. All right. So the car that's one car in front of it decides, as Aussies will often do. Uh, actually, I don't think this is in Australia. This is in the US, but I reported it from an Australian newspaper for some reason. Uh, it just stops and goes eh! and pulls off the freeway. Causing the person uh, in the X to get a big flashing light because the X autopilot actually saw under the car in front of it, saw that this car was stopping very abruptly and turning and actually flashed. And it didn't actually brake for the guy, but it flashed a light saying, stop, stop, stop. And he put his foot on the brake. And swerved right. Swerved right. And then the other car slowed down. And he, the person who was driving the X, saying, "Uh, the Tesla saved my ass because I would not have stopped in time if it hadn't gone, hey, you're going to crash, mate. I watched that video like three or four times. I didn't even know there was a car in front of the car that was in front of the X. Wow. It was impressive, but it was unclear. Unclear to this gentleman, being myself, as to whether or not autopilot was on, autopilot was off. Even you yourself just said it was on, but it couldn't have been on. The car didn't break itself. The car gave him a warning to break. Yeah, the, the way this works, as I understand it, it gives you first a warning. Hey, human, stop the car. But if it really thinks you're going to crash, then it'll break for you. Now, I'm not sure if that is in the current software update, but Elon talked about it uh, where it will just take over at some point and put the brakes on the car. I'm not going to try it, though. Because at some point it felt like even if the autopilot was off, it's aware and it's not going to let you do this crap. It's not going to let you crash. Yes, Robert. So have, having driven through the Colorado Rockies in this, you know, sub 32 degree weather with snow and ice all over the ground, when you put your foot on the brake, oftentimes the car does not behave. In fact, the car just continues to go and you hear this uh, very disturbing grinding sound as the car is fishtailing and slowing down. And so I wonder how it's going to work in this kind of a condition where a lot of Teslas go to Sweden and to Norway and all parts north, cold and snowy. I wonder if the cars will take into effect like what type of traction the wheels are sensing under the car. Well, I think that's this is sort of autonomous driving 1980 anti-lock brakes. I think the car is smart enough to know if I lock up under these conditions, we're just going to go slidey, slidey, spinny, spin. So uh, surely autopilot uh, or fully self-driving is going to say, unlike the humans, when it's really snowy and icy out, we're going to drive at 20 miles an hour, not 80 miles an hour. There was just a report yesterday on the sea that is NN of a 50-car pileup out there in the cold parts of the United States because people were driving too fast. Robert, be careful out there. Silly, silly folks. No, I was actually driving quite slow. My hands are – I'm rubbing my thumb right now because my arthritis 
is kicking in. I was gripping the steering wheel with a death grip <laughs> most of yesterday while I was driving. Is your car a D? It is not. So now I'm sitting here like, oh, wringing my head because I think the year end is coming and I really want all-wheel drive. I really want the panoramic roof so I could look up at the canyons that are grand and the rainbows in the sky. If you're looking up at a Grand Canyon, you have made a wrong turn, <laughs> my friend, just for the record. But on the way out well, of the edge, you get a great view. This is oh No, there are... I can tell you, man, I walked, I drove through some amazing canyons. There was one in Colorado in the, near Arches National Park. The pictures I have, I haven't been tweeting them because I've been too busy taking them. Um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I may have buried the lead. What? I may have buried the lead. No, you oh, don't no. ever do that. Mel Herbert got a little emaily maily from hmm. the test that is la. Hmm. Saying, uh, you want to come pick up your car on Tuesday at 5 o'clock with the dual wheels. Uh, Tuesday the being dual- tomorrow. Uh, being tomorrow. And the panoramic roof. And would you like to bring in the old one and uh, we'll do a little swappy swap? Would you like to do that? And I said, yes, I would. Merry, happy Christmas <laughs> to you, my friend. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm going to wet myself. <laughs> oh, that's uh, great. I can't wait to try to drive it into a wall. No, you can't do that, Thomas. Well, we have to test it. Now, the it's only a testing show. thing, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, yeah. is that uh, the new 8.1 software with the upgrade so that the uh, hardware 2.0 actually acts like uh, hardware 1.0 isn't out yet, and I'm picking it up tomorrow, so Aww. I could have a new car without any autopilot. It's upsetting. We're all so sad for you. Yeah, I'm sure there's yeah, a but- lot of people weeping <laughs> for me right now. Oh, poor Mel. Ridiculous. Mel, maybe what you should actually tell them is that I'm going to take this car now to the Talking Tesla studio, it would really be nice if you would just do the update now for me so I could just experience it. Yeah, I'm sure they'll do that. It. What I hope for you more than anything yeah. is that this is the time in which the bow is there for you. I would like a bow. This is my third Tesla. Right. You Come should on. call. It's bow time. You should call and be like, you know what? I need the bow. Tesla Trey, bow uno. He was, they might say, if you really loved your Tesla, you wouldn't sell it back to us you'd keep it you'd have like a whole gaggle or give it to your buddy to drive around for a little while i need to well let's not pretend i mean i i know you don't want to afford it that's a different story it's really amazing that i'm giving them my (laughs) old car getting a new car yeah and my payment is the same i still can't work out the the same for longer it's amazing robert so will you wash your old model s before turning it in will you clean the peanuts out of the corners and the edges there what, are what various is your... stains that are unable to be removed uh it's upsetting yeah i'm gonna clean it up because i'm really worried that if i bring it in its current condition you with should the grass and the crap they're gonna go this car is not worth fifty thousand dollars this car's worth five bucks you should not clean it up they will clean it up it's just double work they're gonna really? do. They're gonna detail. Yeah, I don't the have crap. to clean it. No, they're gonna look at it and say it's no. Disgusting. Just take the your personal belongings out of it and and bring it in there, and they'll be proud because they'll know that you, my friend, have been using that car. Can I leave a little trash and some recycling in there too? Would they sure. fix that up for yeah, me? I've like, got some electronic recycling. <laughs> maybe throw that the back. Some e waste. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe just leave a talking Tesla card on the dash. Oh, there you oh, go. actually, what I'm. Oh, we do, forgot to do that. We have to figure out where we're gonna hide. We were gonna hide like. Some oh, information right. somewhere in the car so that they couldn't find. So that one day somebody will have a Tesla and it'll be Mel's old Tesla and it'll be the smell of death that uh, gives it sort of the idea that that was probably Mel's. I would say we could sign the manual, but it's digital, so that's not possible. Oh, that's upsetting. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm excited about it, by the way. Super excited. And Jess, Really? That's so weird. Yeah, Jess and Dave are also getting theirs 
the next day, but they're picking theirs up at the factory and doing the tour. And then Ooh. they have to drive back to Fresno. But again, if they don't come out with the software in the next day or two, they're going to have to drive back to Fresno all by themselves. Wah. It's upsetting. Poor you mean like actually by touching the car. Um, in fact, why don't we just jump to that and I'll go back. Because version 8.1 software, this is from Electric. They said, uh, you know, three weeks ago, Elon, you said that 8.1 software will be out. And this not just has sort of uh, turning on of the hardware 2.0 for people who have a brand new Tesla. Yeah. But also big time user interface updates and more auto steer stuff for uh, 1.0 hardware. And Elon says, we've been working on this seven days a week on developing and testing. He did this via a tweet. And we've already pushed out some new features ahead of 8.1. And then there's this giant list of all of the things that they've pushed out um, in front of 8.1. And... No, they're all nice little interesting tweaky bits. Lovely. But uh, it's not out yet, so I'm expecting at any time, maybe during the show, please, let's push out 8.1. And even people like Tom with a first-generation Tesla and Robert with a first-generation Tesla, even you <sighs> will gain significant benefit from this uh, software mm, significant? No, significant? I think not. Icons will be moved around, Tom. Us sad non-autopiloter Tesla owners, and I love my Tesla. Don't get, don't get me wrong, are getting UI improvements to the media center, according to all oh, reports. Oh, they're moving icons, Tom. Yay. Just when you work out where they are, they yay. move them. It says auto windshield wipers. I don't know if that means you don't need to use the turn signal stick to adjust, because I've been doing that a lot lately. And also the auto low and high beam headlights. I wonder if we'll be seeing that in the older Teslas, because that, too, is a bit of a... Um, how would I say a, that would be a stress reliever when on the highway that is dark and that is long going in and out of high beams uh, is kind of a, a, a bit of a chore that I would love to give up. So let's go backwards then and uh, hope that 8.1 comes out soon. And well, we're not going backwards in time, Tom. We're going backwards on the sheet. Oh, You can't use the doodle doodle when you all the time. I was confused. It's con- you're overusing it. Oh, oh. Oh, sorry, Mr. Show in Charge of Sound Effects. It's up. It's look, let's talk about Uber self driving in San Francisco. Uber. And then ha, this ha, is from ha. Slate. So last Wednesday, here in the States that are united, in the San Francisco. <laughs> talk about overusing. Oh my God. <laughs> last Wednesday, wow. Uber rolled out a self driving uh, series of uh, Volvo XC90s, which used to be your old car, am I correct? That is correct. And California said no. So they did it, and just a few hours later, they actually had a picture of one of these self-driving cars go through a red light. Uber said, well, there was a human there. It was their fault. <laughs> a video. <laughs> awesome. then uh, Brian, whoever this guy is, uh, Stroblet, the chief counsel of California Department of Motor Vehicles, told Uber, you need to stop it. You need to get a... Um, uh, permit to do this. There is 20 companies here in California that have permits to try out their autonomous vehicles. You didn't get a permit. Go get a permit. But it's not good for autonomous vehicles when Uber is out there blowing through red lights. That's right. It's not good. They don't like it. And But Uber is being an insolent teenager about the whole situation. They're like, they're not self-driving. There's somebody in the car, just like all the Teslas that's running around that don't have special permits. They're like, no, no, no. We're going to need a permit. We don't want to buy the permit, so we're not going to do it, and we're just going to keep driving around, and we don't care about you, San Francisco or California. Yeah, it's funny because Uber keeps saying that they're not uh, subject to this regulation, 
because they've got somebody behind the wheel available all the time. And in this situation, that's what they did is they blamed the dude, the engineer sitting behind the wheel for blowing through the red light into, you know, across an intersection with a crosswalk with a guy who was already in the crosswalk, right? Another, I don't know, four seconds and the car would have just rolled over this guy. And this would really be a big story. And then they fired the engineer. Good times. Thank you for helping us. Um, Merry Christmas, engineer. Get out. This brings up uh, talking autonomous vehicles, going back to the philosophy of the Google versus the philosophy of the Tesla. The philosophy of the Google is we are not going to release self-driving technology until it's 100% because we don't believe this handoff between person and machine is very efficient. And if you've got full self-driving, even though you're sitting behind the wheel, you will tend not to be watching what's going on, as happened in this case. So the Google says... Until it's fully autonomous, we don't want to roll it out. Tesla, on the other hand, has taken the uh, opposite approach, which is when we prove that our technology is good, we'll roll it out little piece by little piece by little piece. But it's an interesting philosophic discussion. I used to say Google is right before I had uh, some self-driving capability. Now that I have it in the X, I love it. You take it away over my cold, dead body. (laughs) And Uber is like, it doesn't work, but we're putting it out there. And F you, California. I'd like to see the stats on how many miles Tesla has driven autonomously, Uber, Google, Apple, anyone else, and then see how many incidents that they've had in that time frame. That would be very cool data to look at. They've got to make this stuff uh, public or not at least public, but to the sort of the the driving institutions in the various countries, you would think, because um, they have to find out whether these are safe or not. Every time that there's an accident, I'm sure they have to reveal all of their data. I think that's part of the reason Uber may not have wanted to register with the state of California, because part of that registration, I believe, requires you to submit statistics and data. Oh, that's the reason, because it's not money. It's probably like a 120 bucks certificate that you have to get signed. So it's because <laughs> they don't want to reveal their data. That's actually a good theory. They probably just didn't want to wait in line at the DMV, Yeah, to it be is honest a bit of a pain, but They're like, now nah, screw this. It's very long. Hey, let's talk about GM testing autonomy. So this is from Files Company. Uh, the Verge actually reported that GM is testing autonomous bolts with a B, the fully electric ones, at the tech center in Warren, Michigan. They also announced that they will build a fly- fleet of autonomous EVs. So the number of people who are working on autonomous driving is now officially huge. I just said that there are 20 companies alone with permits in California. So answer me this, boys, if you will. What is the prize here? What is the end point if you're developing autonomous driving? Is it so that, and well, here's what I think it is. I think that everybody's independently developing this because they believe that they can make theirs better. So if you're a Tesla owner, or if you're a Tesla, and you can demonstrate that our autonomous driving is five times better than Volvo's, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, I want the one that's the safest because in the end, that's the thing that freaks me out the most. So I'm going to buy a Tesla. So the competition here could be very good. The competition to be safe as possible could be very good for us, the people in the cars. I would expect that the reason that these companies, these 20 companies are working on this is all about the patents. And so It's going to be a multi-system approach to autonomous driving. I don't think that the Uber or the Google version with all of, with a chicken bucket and all the LiDAR, you know, those cars have like 
I don't know, $50,000 worth of equipment on them to make them autonomous. If they become like an autonomous ride-sharing car, that makes sense because then you can just run the car, you know, not 24-7, but practically and make a lot of money with it. That would offset the cost of all of that equipment. But I think that what they're trying to do is find the cheapest route to the most reliable autonomous vehicle, and that's going to involve a lot of patents. And if you have a company and you come up with two or three key patents, those patents alone will be worth many, many millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. And as we go down this path to autonomy that we are on, if you don't have autonomy, you're not going to be selling vehicles. And I think that this announcement on some levels, may even be chilling towards GM's Bolt program for some people who would be like, oh, well, they're working on full autonomy now. Why don't I just wait till the 2018 model year? We know now that they're getting out there. And and I, a friend of mine who was very interested in the Bolt said that very thing to me over the weekend. They're like, well, now I don't know. I don't really need a car right now. And now they're working on this autonomy. And the way that car companies work, that new the next year's Bolt could be out in nine months for sale. So, you know, that's not a whole lot of time. So that that's the problem with all of this new technology. It's like you're always waiting and waiting and waiting. Like, are there people now like Tesla did this hardware? Are they going to do the next hardware? When's it? It's very difficult. Well, yeah, you bring up a really good point. Um and I think that's absolutely true. We talk about this with phones. You know, what's going to be in the iPhone 8? What's going to be in the iPhone 9? Maybe I'll just hold on for a year. And I think this is very true. And I think that's why when people ask me, should I buy or should I lease? Uh, in general, I say with this technology currently, lease. Because it's changing so fast, you want to flip it every two or three years like I did. I only had my car for two and a half years. And the difference between the old Tesla and the new Tesla is substantial in two and a half years. I skipped 1.0 autonomous driving and I got 2.0 autonomous driving. It'll be interesting whether the market forces change to the point where maybe you can even get a one-year lease, because I wouldn't mind having my Tesla for a year, seeing what's out there and going, eh, I'll get the newest, newest one. It's changing that fast. It's an issue. Um, we didn't really see it, though, I don't think, with Teslas so far. Still, they sold more Teslas in the last quarter, just before 2.0 hardware came out, but perhaps because they didn't tell us exactly when it's coming out. And GM's not going to tell you when it's going to come out because they're not going to sell any bolts. So I think you're right. Right, but but the way that they work, you know, they work differently than Tesla. Like Tesla doesn't do this model year thing, right? This is something that's sort of inbred in all of the big three car companies. Like year in clearance and the new models are out and it's a couple of months before. And that's just sort of the cycle that they work on because they're always trying to pump things out. Now, I hope it doesn't have a chilling effect. Because that would be terrible and there would be starting to dump bolts at like those low cheap leases. Like That's a good thing though. That it is a good thing, except for the companies who then say can have the argument, why do you keep making us make these things? Nobody wants them, right? Like it, it's sort of this circular kind of argument. Right now, the Fiat E, eighty nine dollars a month lease for that car. And a friend of mine who was in the studio last week, had one and said at some point during this last year, $49 a month for that thing. How far does that car get? And you got to keep the $2,500 from California. So basically that car was free on a three-year lease. Um, oh how far does it get? 
How far does it? 70. 70. Yeah. So it's really just sort of the second car round. Cute little thing, though. Yeah, it's interesting. I like the fact that, um, on the one hand, that electric cars have a really poor resale value because a whole bunch of people who would never have considered one are driving around in Leafs and stuff right now. Yeah. But you're right. Can the car companies make enough profit if their resale value on these are so low? Do they make enough money out of a three-year lease to call it done? Well, it's that and the resale. If the resale value holds up, then they do. If it doesn't, then they don't. And that's where you get into the weirdness with how cheap the Leafs are. Even the RAV4, I looked on the the website uh, yesterday at the used RAV4s that two months ago when mm-hmm. I was looking at were in the $25,000 range, and now they're at twenty. Because as the larger range vehicles either come online or get announced – all of those lower range vehicles sort of suffer the resale consequences, as it were. That's sort of the deal with the Tesla Roadster. I know somebody asked us a question. We'll get to that. And the other thing is the article that we talked about one or two weeks ago from Detroit News said that Fiat Chrysler was losing $15,000 on every 500E. And maybe that's what, because of what you're talking right, about. Right, but Tom. I but I go into the dealer, right, and I talk to him, and and I know, like, so let's say I go into the Chevy dealer, and I'm like, I want the bolt, I want it fully, fully loaded, but I need you to give me a thousand dollars off, and they're like, you're kidding me, man. With these things, we're losing nine thousand dollars. They're not losing $9,000 because if you look across their lot, there's a whole bunch of Yukons and Denali's and all this other stuff that they're making huge profits on that they wouldn't be able to sell without it. So do you get up and you're you not and say, you can sell me this car because it'll make you allowed to sell that right. big giant That's thing? That's kind of there. how it works with those cars as of right now. And But you're not going to get a deal on them because as you noted earlier on, we got seven. They're gone. Yeah, they're like just supply they are, and demand. The cakes that are hot, they're just going off the lot. So it does raise the uh, the question, the problem. You have to make money out of electric cars for ultimately car manufacturers to build lots of these. We've also said that it takes a long time for a new technology to be profitable. The Volt took six years. Tesla hopes to be profitable with its next car, the three. I think all this turns out will be good for Tesla in the short term because if they can make them at a profit because they have the big gigafactory because they can make the batteries so much less, they have no disincentive to build as many as they possibly can, whereas these other manufacturers say, like, just 30,000 is enough, thank you. But even Tesla, right, is reliant on these credits. As we spoke of in a couple of shows ago, they're not quite as valuable as Tesla would like, but it has been a factor in Tesla's overall revenue is the fact that if you buy a Tesla – and GM can sell a Denali because they're buying those credits from Tesla. Well, remember that Elon said that he actually thinks it's hurt Tesla. He'd rather get rid of the credit system entirely, and that would be better for Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. So let's talk about renewables. And uh, solar is going strong, but it could go faster. This is from the Harvard Business Review by a guy named Joshua Pierce, who I don't know, but he's some professor in the Department of Material Science over there in – where is he in? In Pennsylvania. So he said, look, photovoltaic systems now cost less than grid electricity. It's pretty amazing. In 2016, solar drove most new power generation in the United States. Solar is hiring 12 times faster than the rest of the economy and can more than make up for the lost uh, coal jobs. Hello. Mr. Trump, 
Mr. Trump, are you listening? I doubt it. A study done by this author's team said regulations are holding back solar an additional at least $70 billion, and it goes this way. Let me describe it. He says, if you own your own home and you're not going to move for a long time and you've got good exposure, solar is now a great investment. You're going to get your money back very quickly. It's a good deal. But if you rent, if you move a lot, um, not so good. So plug and play solar is really what this is about, which can help a lot of people who are renting or are moving a lot. And the basic concept here is you take some solar panels, you put them uh, south facing or wherever you want them, and then you plug them into the wall. And for a long time, it was not clear if this was safe and the inverters weren't right. But it appears now, according to this gentleman and others, that they've got this inverter technology down. It's quite safe. So you plug it into the wall of your house. You then are energizing your house and using the electricity from those solar panels. And if you make excess, it's putting it back into the grid is my understanding. But don't quote me on that. And he says these are now so safe. But there are so many regulations that prevent this because they're based on uh, technologies that are very old. If they just open that up and everybody that could use plug-and-play solar did use plug-and-play solar, it would be the equivalent of of 57 gigawatts of electricity, which would be about the same as 57 large coal power plants and four times the amount of solar that uh, was installed in 2015. And I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I've been looking at these things um, because I have the situation where I have a house, I've moved in a long time, but in the winter there's a lot of shading. And there's a part of my house over sort of by the pool that is bright with sun all day. And what I want to get is like a two-kilowatt system and plug it in there and energize my house during the winter. So I'm going to be finding out about these and letting you know because I would love to do that. So I went on to the website of uh, the first uh, hit on Google when I put in plug-in-play solar. And uh, there's a company, I don't remember the name, but I'm not advertising, and they sell like panels. They say that their panels will put out one kilowatt a day. And uh, so I looked at this. They have inverters on them. The first panel you buy, you can plug additional panels into it, but it's like $1,000 for a panel with the little device that goes to your cell phone, you can monitor how much you're making. And yes, you just plug it into an exterior plug on your property and with or without net metering, you can just drive your energy bill down. I think it's great. It's perfect if you want more karma points. But if you're paying, like I am, 14 cents a kilowatt hour uh, off peak, now on peak, it's another story, but off peak, uh, and you're making a, a kilowatt hour, a kilowatt per day, sorry, then it's going to take almost 20 years to pay this off. So at the moment, economically, from what I see, it doesn't make really good sense. But if there's driving down the costs, and this is something you go buy at Costco, and you could just walk out with one or five panels and daisy chain them and stick them on your lawn, or which is now dead because there's no water in California, then you could really substantially drive your electric bill So down. you're talking about one kilowatt hour, um, and that's how much you're paying, you're paying 14 cents per kilowatt hour, because I know 27,000 people are going to uh, send us emails. <laughs> I looked at this uh, just a couple of days ago, and the numbers I had were significantly different to that to the point where I can't give you the numbers, but I will next week, that I was actually stunned at how cost-effective they were. Not as cheap as an installed-on-your-roof system, but still not outrageous. So we'll get some more numbers on this and find out some more technologies. And I'll actually um, 
interview somebody, if I can, in the next week about these, because I think this is a huge, huge deal. If the regulations let me plug it in the wall, because forever it was like, you can't sell them because you're not allowed to use them. Yeah, but what about the what about the transfer efficiency? Like, are they what's the efficiency of these panels Many questions. as they go through the thing? And then I did want to clarify, Joshua Pierce is an associate professor at the Michigan Technological University where he runs the Open Sustainability Technology Research Group. He received his PhD at Pennsylvania State. Thank you. So the the organization that I looked at uh, what was I just going to say? This dropped out of my head. Oh, right. They call this stealth solar. And they show somebody who's just put this up on a little enclosed porch. So it's like, who even needs to know that you're doing this? How big are these panels? They're standard, it's a standard. standard size panel. So amazing if you're going uh, on a car trip or camping for a few days, you could like sort of Put three or four of them out there and kind of run your camp if you have sort of electrical needs. But you'd need some form of battery or something. This is basically using the electrical oh, system in your house in an inverter. Um, you could do that, and I have done that. Could with, you plug it into your RV instead uh, of having your generator running? I don't know. Probably. Um, I think so. I've done this I mean, with this a is... big battery, just sort of camping, and I take a few solar panels and I plug it in, and then I run the electricity at the same time that I'm charging the battery. So. Uh, interesting. And if you're in a, a flat in an apartment, you could hang one of these, like you instead of your underwear hanging over the side of your apartment, you could hang a solar panel. And for a lot of people in these apartments that don't use very much energy, they're saying uh, one or two panels could probably do all of your electricity for the day. Or imagine like this, your sliding glass door is a solar panel. Thank you. This is literally idiot proof. You just put this panel in the sun, you plug it into a plug, and you're done. Um, I'm an idiot. I'm I in the room. <laughs> How dare uh, you? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Okay, let's do some letters. And uh, letters have become a big part of the show. I don't know if you noticed They've that. They've become a huge... And I was anxious about it, but now I'm much less anxious. I think that the letters we get are often so good, they're certainly better than some of the crap that we say. I have to say, there's a letter coming up that had, you know, mm. something about, you should check out this article. And I went to this Bloomberg article, which is like 14 pages long, and I'm still taking notes on it. That's right. Daniel Berman says, should I buy a $60,000 Roadster? And I say, why would you even consider a $60,000 Roadster unless you're sort of buying it as an archival sort of thing? Because it's just not as good a car as an S or an X. But it's cool looking. It's cool looking, but as a day-to-day car, I wouldn't buy it. But if you've got why? cash to burn... Then uh, get it. It's a cute if, car. It's but if a you historic. Like a little sports car. It's very sporty. It's very lotusy. One word: supercharged network. Well, I understand not that it's compatible. not your, but but probably not the car you want to drive long distances, anyways. If you got right. the battery upgrade, so sixty thousand dollars for a used Tesla Roadster. The battery upgrade twenty nine thousand dollars. That's pretty impressive. The answer is it depends on the year and mileage. If you're really asking our advice as to whether or not you should buy this car, it depends on the year and mileage as to whether or not sixty thousand dollars is a good deal. Uh, I did a little research into them last night. Anywhere from 40000 to 90000 depending on the amount of miles, the color, the rarity of that particular color, blah, blah, blah. Mostly it's about miles. If you can afford it and you want to drive a cool car, you know what? Join the nation. Well, that's true of anything. If you can afford it and uh, you want it. You'll probably well, but buy he it. didn't quantify anything. It was a one-sentence letter. Hi, should I buy a used Tesla Roadster for $60,000? Unless you're hiding the rest of the letter. That's um, all I had to go here's on. The, here's the upside. Daniel's a listener. Oh. Because I said make your letters short. 
You couldn't <laughs> make Daniel's it short. His next letter will just be 60,000 question. <laughs> and that'll be it. I say, I say, Daniel, go for it. It's a fun car. Yes, you're not going to take it on a long trip. It's kind of like riding a horse. It's a little uncomfortable. You can't carry a whole lot, but it is very and it cool. And poops everywhere. And, it's disgusting. And you can lie to everyone and tell everyone you're like one of those Elon's friends, early adopter. I got in early. I made the company what it is today. It'll be great. We won't tell anyone. Ma- or you could even go the other route and say, yeah, this is the new Tesla car. Yeah, you haven't heard about the Roadster? <laughs> yeah, this is the three. <laughs> that would work. It would work because no one's ever seen that I thing. Know. You see so few of these in the wild, even in the Cal that is Fornia. Uh, Marlo Swedzinski. Did I do that right, Marlo? Yeah, he, sp- he spelled it out for you. Yeah, he said, put your money where your belief is. Just a thought here. In your quest to go zero, one thing we need to consider is that many of us, knowingly or not, invest our retirement accounts, 401k, and other stocks into oil companies, Coke Industries. Mel has challenged us to invest green. Tesla has contracted with Pure Energy Minerals for US mined lithium. If Tesla Nation is serious about wanting to change the future or promoting going zero, then move your investments from fossil fuel stocks to stocks such as PEMIF, Pure Energy Materials, and stop promoting fossil fuel companies. Here's one more small thing you can do. I came give Tom. I gave uh, Mel this tip. When you go to Costco, I think a lot of listeners, probably a lot of everybody, goes to Costco. Do not buy paper products from Bounty. I don't care how cheap they are. The money goes right into David Koch's pocket. You're all about not buying Bounty. So, uh, <laughs> Marlo, I think that's great. This is again something I'm pretty ignorant about, but would like to get much smarter. The idea that my 401k money is funding oil pipelines and not uh, lithium and solar panels makes me ill. But I where's divest? I get it. I totally agree. But where do you draw the line? Are you going to divest into military, you know, no military things? And you could. You could divest from all military, all non-green energy, all that stuff. So on the show notes, I think this is very difficult for a lot of people, I'll be honest with you, because these are the industries that obviously are giving you some returns. The Having a retirement account, you need some specific amount of returns to be able to do it because the pension system in this country no longer exists. Uh, I made a li- I found a list of all of these alternative energy ETFs. They're out there. There's about a dozen of them on this list. These are not a recommendation of any of these stocks, but we'll post it. You can take a look at them. They exist. So uh, you started to touch on something which I've heard from a lot of people when I've started to talk about this. Oh, it's so complicated. Oh, the world is the way it is. Um, You can't possibly get the returns. I have a stock person who helps me. And uh, this is a really stupid thing to do. You're going to kill your returns. But just because it's difficult doesn't mean I shouldn't try. And also, I know that all of us, are we, uh, we do some things that are good and some things that are bad. And I don't know the right way to do this, but I want to look into it and I want to try. I don't want, because it's complicated and hard, not to at least look into it and try, even though I know that I'm eating a steak over here and that's a bad thing to do and then I'm driving an electric car and I feel like an idiot. So again, that list of 12, there's a bunch of ETFs on there. But again, you could talk, you know, there's people who are like very anti-pharma, very anti-biotech, very anti-military, and like you could end up having a list of just you know, you could just have all your money in Tesla and Solar City, and that's not smart to be all completely bound into one company either. Well, this is why I mentioned uh, in the last show or two that as Talking Tesla Nation, we have a fair amount of money, I expect, invested in things that we could change. And so change it over. Make it that 
an investment in a oil stock or in Coke company or something that's really anti, just pull it. I mean, can you afford to lose a percent on your portfolio because you're not invested in a oil drill bit stock? I think it's worth it. It's sort of an investment in the future versus an investment in your retirement. Yeah, I think uh, this is complicated but uh, worth looking into. Let's, I think there should be another podcast. Yeah, we could have a thing called Going Zero. Green investing. Some, uh, experts about that stuff. I'll get back to that. Fraser Florence says the Falcon Wing Doors uh, won't – so I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to say. won't help people without uh, AP Hardware 2.0, but will there be uh, the ability to incorporate image detection from the side cameras and the rear-facing cameras so that uh, you can have full granny decapitation detection mode? So what he's saying was with these new um, uh, hardware that's in uh, the the new Xs that are coming off the line right now, could you make the Falcon Wing doors better at making sure that they don't cut granny's head off? I hope so. Yeah. Because they still, even with the updates still are a problem. They need more sensors, but I'm not sure the sensors they've got in for autonomous driving are going to help. Jeff Nelson, removable Model 3 steering wheel. Somebody uh, talk to us about this one because I wasn't exactly sure what he was trying to say. I was talking about this when the Model 3 first came out. I thought there would be a way to unplug your steering wheel and just throw it in the frunk, right? The frunk is kind of small, but big enough for the steering wheel because the dash, as he points out, looks completely uh, generic from left side to right side. There's almost nothing there. There's just the center horizontal screen. And he's saying that maybe this is all a way to convert your car to a complete autonomous vehicle. Why would you take... Well, he, one of the arguments he said, well, if uh, they did this right, you could basically build the same car and whether you drove on the left side of the road or the right side of the road, you could just pop the steering wheel one side or the other. Um, over and above that, why would you have a removable steering wheel? Uh, I guess so sometimes you want to you drive could, your car and sometimes you just want the car to drive you so you could take the steering wheel out and have a bit more room to play on your laptop? Yeah. I mean, you'd have that. You would just be less likely to take over the car when it's driving, right? This was the Google thing you just talked about, right? Google right. doesn't want you to drive the car whatsoever. They want to make the car with no steering wheel whatsoever. Tesla's like, mm, driving's fun occasionally. Yeah, I guess I get that. Um, uh, yep, all right, I accept that. Because I was thinking by the time true autonomy is around, I personally just don't care anymore. I want to sit in the back seat with a cigarette and a laptop and just be driven around. You should like, not smoke, man. There's kids listening to this show. Uh, I don't believe that smoking is bad for you. Okay? <laughs> I don't believe that. So are you fully invested into Marlboro? Yeah. Because uh, I don't believe, despite the science, I don't believe that it's bad for you. So uh, it's fine. Okie dokie. Joke S factor. Yeah. Joel Sapp, uh, bacon and air conditioning guys <laughs> here. I have seen it. and heard a number of articles uh, saying that emissions from livestock is greater than transportation. Some uh, advocating going vegetarian. I looked up the EPA site, which I'm guessing will be removed in about a month or so. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, 3 to 4% of greenhouse gas emissions is attributable to livestock. And then he goes through the numbers that transportation is 26% and um, commercial industrial is 12% of CO2 emissions and industrial 21%. So he was saying that maybe this going vegetarian is not as big a deal as we made it out to be. But I put a note in there that methane, or for you Americans, methane production from cows is uh, actually worse because methane in the short term has a much greater greenhouse gas effect. It dissipates over time, but I've read articles that, that puts it as high as like 87 times 
greater greenhouse gas effect, that is insulating effect on the atmosphere than carbon dioxide. Yeah, and I don't know whether or not these uh, numbers take into account the transportation of the meat and all of the other livestock and the grain that has to be grown. You know, or the water. There's a lot of things that are involved in the production of the live that is stock, as you would say I, now. <laughs> no, I would certainly say this one. So um, that is a good question, and it's a little confusing when you talk about CO2 emissions versus total greenhouse emissions. We will find out. We will get back to you. I think it's a really good point because I – there's a lot of reasons, good reasons to be a vegetarian, I'm not one, um, that have to do with animal rights and uh, greenhouse emissions and stuff, but I still like me a good burger, i got to tell you right now. And to Joel, I wish you a happy Kwanzaa. Yeah, Joel uh, said happy Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, and uh, he made a joke about that he's pretty sure he's the only black listener, and then he sent a picture of himself when he was a little baby. And I don't know, you, Joel, you could be 800 pounds now and quite disgusting, but you're a cute kid. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Wow, Joel. Joel, uh, Joel you're, not, have, you're not 800 There's pounds. a reason he didn't send us a picture of himself now. Everybody's you computer when it's a kid. Right. I, I zoomed in on that image. He's in front of a magazine. I zoomed in. It's actually the Harvard Business Review. <laughs> uh, he was, uh, he starting, was ahead of his time. Starting young. Alan Northcutt, mm. subject Trump. Now, I believe this is mostly for uh, Tom. Now, he's from Waco, Texas, and he says, in summary, um, don't defend Trump. Look at all of the people that he now has on the EPA that's going to be running the science uh, that are against everything that is climate and clean. And basically he's running plans on running the country as if it's basically ExxonMobil. And so don't defend this guy. Fight this guy. What do you say, Tom? Well, I mean, I don't even know what to say about this. At the time, again, I was defending the fact that he's going to be the president. We do have to live with him. We got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, mm, the benefit of the doubt is not working so well with this guy. So far, his cabinet picks have been atrocious. However, what do you say to the Elon Musk addition to the transition team? So they added, I, I don't exactly know what role Elon's got, but Elon is going to be an advisor. And I believe that if you look at all the cabinet picks, if you look that basically it's climate denier, climate denier, ExxonMobil executive, it is very clear they give a rats. This is about big oil, big coal and running it like a business. And then what you do to make everybody calm and say, well, we've got Elon on as an advisor. That doesn't mean you have to listen to him for one second. I'm worried that Elon is going to get used basically as a poster child. Oh, we're, we're green. Look, we've got Elon. When it's clear that they give a Rats, buttocks. But what's Elon's motivation then? This well, is what I want to know. Like, so you're mad at me, but not Elon. I believe that Elon's doing the right thing. He should be there. He should be advising. He should try. And then if it's clearly just a scam, to come out and say, that was BS. I told him 16 ways of Sunday what they should be doing and they don't care. Again, I agree with you. He's the president. We should give him a chance. But I see nothing, zero, absolutely zero to suggest that this is not going to be a disaster for the climate and for clean energy. And uh, I will fight this young man uh, nonviolently as much as I possibly can because this is not what America wants. If you ask Republicans, 70 percent of Republicans want more investment in clean, renewable energy. There's nothing that I've seen in this guy's cabinet or what he's said so far that suggests that he cares what people want. He cares about what the corporations want. Or his buddies or the people who are promising him things. I think the interesting part about this is that uh, Elon, every Tesla-like victory 
putting out the X on time, I'm sorry, the three on time, having great reviews of Model X, Model S, all the good things, autonomous breakthroughs, all of these things only make Elon's voice stronger in the ears of those who have the potential to make things a little bit better from the Washington. So moving uh, clean energy, renewable energy forward is going to occur because it is economically viable and kills coal unless they can put up some giant roadblocks. And they will try, absolutely they will try, because that's their profit centre, um, and through social movements. If uh, social movements are big enough and loud enough to say, this is not what we want, I believe that even the Donald will listen. So that's why I personally am going to be more involved in social movements than I've ever been in my life. I would like to suggest you another podcast. Last week I told you about a podcast, I want to tell you about another one. This is just a personal recommendation, take it or leave it. There's a guy called Dan Carlin who has a history show, but he also has a show called Common Sense. And he's a radio guy and has been for 20 years. His history show is fantastic, but his Common Sense show is also really good. This is a guy who is in no way a Democrat. He is very right-wing and he is a libertarian. But I suggest if you're interested in... Uh, listening to somebody who doesn't like Hillary and doesn't like Trump and what is wrong with the system, this is a really interesting and thoughtful guy to listen to. So Dan Carlin, Common Sense, and again, he is no patsy for the left wing at all, at all. But one of the things he says, the reason he wants the system to be broken down and started again is exactly this kind of stuff. The people want this. This thing is good, say clean energy, for example, but the government is run by special interests. And it just depends on which special interest is in at the time. And today's special interest is oil and gas. So we're not going to get what we want. We're going to get what they want. Yeah, they're taking the path of least resistance, the way to get high-paying jobs and to, to earn you know, internationally important dollars coming into the United States. For, for the easy way to do that is through oil and gas drilling, unfortunately, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to make these deals. They're going to try to keep the economy rolling on fossil fuels as long as possible. That's terrible. We should do whatever we can to stop it. Uh, science is clear, and Trump is dangerous. Thank you. Yeah, there was, there was an article in the newspaper that I was reading in Moab all about or maybe it was further back in Grand Junction, all about them opening up oil and gas leases in the western Rockies, the western slope, and allowing for the digging of coal because there was evidently a lot of coal up there. And people are like, yes, this is going to bring 300 jobs. 300 jobs. Yeah, destroy I mean, a few national parks for a couple of hundred Yeah, I mean, you got the interior guy is a disastrous fossil fuel dude. The EPA guy is a disastrous fossil fuel dude. So it's a, he's made some terrible picks. I wish that he was not making these picks. I wish that the Senate would be like, Mm-mm-mm, but that's not going to work that way. We have a lot of work to do. Alex Kimber says, rolling your model X. I don't plan on to. You mentioned a couple of times the scenario of rolling your X and the potential problems with the effing wing doors. I don't believe there will be a problem as the falcon wing doors are double hinged. So even on a flat surface, an inverted X would be able to open the outer part of the door, unlike the Mercedes Benz, which is a single hinge. But I say this, sir, still, how do I open up manually? I'm upside down, probably a little bit sore. I've got a double hinged uh, falcon wing door. But how do I manually open the damn thing? I don't know. Maybe there's Answer one of those that. secret slots that Robert talked about last I, week. I still can't find one. Talking Tesla Nation, there are tens of thousands of you out there. How do I open the door if I'm upside down? Now, look, it's true. Low center of gravity, very unlikely to flip this, but I'm a terrible, terrible right. driver. It could happen. I don't know. I think that's so unlikely. But you also have your key in your pocket, so just double-click, open 
double click. Your uh, do you always have your key in your pocket when you drive? Just out of curiosity, because I, I almost have never it, do. I put it in the cup holder. Yeah, I put it in the center console usually. So that'll be flying around the car mm-hmm. <laughs> when I roll yeah. over. Okay, note to self: put the key in your pocket when you drive. <laughs> uh, Dennis Rizzo talks about twenty-one inch wheels. Now he goes through a lot of stuff here, but. Uh, the summary is this, 21-inch wheels he really likes, he thinks they look good, but he's gone through a lot of tyres in just 56,000 kilometres. Um, Four or five sets? Yeah, I, I don't know. Don't I remember. feel like he's gotten his ranges all messed up. He's like 34,500 miles a year, but has 50,000. I think it's 57,000 miles is what that K stands no, for. I put that. I put that in. He's driving 35,000. 1,400 miles a year. That's a lot of miles a year. So he plans on driving his S, which is an 85D, into the ground. His last car, he's a Tacoma, I think he said. He drove 365,000 miles, which is pretty cool. So the point is uh, that he goes through a lot more tires than you would if you didn't have uh, the 21-inch wheels. He's found a way to get them a little cheaper. And when he's driving at high speed, he doesn't drop the car down as much. He thinks that makes it worse. But the point uh, for us was if you've got cash and you like it and and, uh, it's more sporty and maybe it, it handles better, then go for it. But for the average Joe who wants a little bit more range and doesn't want to change their tires as much, choose the 19-inch wheels. Yeah, I don't want to spend 5K every 18 months on tires like this guy has. Yeah, but if and, and so I get it again. So what we say every time, if you've got the money and uh, you like the look of it and you're driving all the time and it's sporty, you're going to drop the cash. But just know beforehand you're going to drop the cash. I told the story of my brother months and months ago who bought a brand new s in australia and it was red and it was fantastic and he got the 21 inch tires and then he had to replace his after ten thousand miles or eight thousand miles had to get new tires and he called me like what the hell's going on here um and i said well i've had mine for thirty five thousand miles and i haven't changed them once and again he just didn't know he wouldn't have chosen that option if he had have known so we're just trying to let the world know marlo so is back swedzinski i was gonna go go he says, uh, look, uh, what is the carbon footprint of the per passenger on a commercial flight? He sits there in the Minnesota, it's minus seven, and he has to use a lot of oil to keep it, the house warm. But he was wondering, uh, you know, if we do this uh, world tour of Germany and uh, the Europeans, uh, we're going to blow a big carbon wad. Now, what's interesting about this is that I don't know exactly what it is in terms of me flying to Australia and the carbon footprint, but the carbon offset, when you go buy a, a ticket to go to New Zealand, the carbon offset is very little. Like you'd expect to be like 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's like 5 or 15 bucks. I can't remember. It's almost nothing. Pretty good. Again, I don't know what they do with that money, whether they just put it in a profit center, <laughs> whether they actually go plant a tree. I don't yeah. know what they do with it, but I buy it every time. So I'm going to be okay, Marlo. I'm buying carbon offsets, but I might be pissing away my money. Well, I think what we'd have to find out is how much petrol is used for a transatlantic or a trans-Pacific flight and how many people are on that. And it's sort of like people per gallon of of jet fuel. I'm sure it's not great. Let's gonna, be honest I'm with you. Find I've out, been Tom. to Chicago a few times. I feel bad about it, but I, I got to go see the people. Buy some carbon offsets. Don't right. feel better about yourself. And might be pissing away the money. We don't know where it goes. Could be all a scam. I'm just saying. And Marlo says at the bottom of his letter, we would love to get a Tesla, but he doubts there's any service here in the great white north. There is a Tesla Minnesota in Eden Prairie on Washington Avenue. So there is a Tesla service sales center 
in Minnesota. David Lundgren is talking about supercharged at gas stations and convenience stores. So we've been talking about this would be really good to see this happen where you basically convert a gas station or you add to a gas station a supercharger and then you'd already have your little convenience store so you can get your Diet Coke and your jelly beans. And he says, mate. Swedish fish. Swedish fish which are not Swedish or fish. Um, and he says in Kingston, New York, they are actually doing this. And that's awesome because my cousin or Cheska's cousins live in, in uh, Kingston and now he can go get a Tesla and park his car and charge there overnight and piss everybody off. No, but that's awesome. I mean, it's really cool to watch how many new Tesla superchargers are coming online. And I was thinking that would be a cool thing for us to do. You can actually watch on the Tesla Motors Forum there's a thread that's called Supercharger Progress, and they have a spreadsheet. It's an open spreadsheet. You just have to ask for permission to modify it in which people are keeping track. You know, a permit was pulled. Uh, some, you know, grading is going on. They're laying some electrical pipe, and then they post when it's alive. And it's really cool to kind of watch if you live near an area that needs a supercharger or like in Monument Valley, they need a supercharger to watch for any progress in that front. All right, Rob, I'm going to make it your job. Every week, tell us what new superchargers have opened in the world. That would be fun. And then when it gets to the point where there's so many opening every week that it's just too much to do, I'll be a happy man. John Ford <laughs> sent us a really good article, but it is so incredibly long, we're going to have to report on it next week, unless uh, you can summarize, Robert. Well, I started into this Bloomberg article, which is really quite good. I thank you, John, for that article. And it talks about the disruptions that will take place in all of the different levels. And I think we should devote more time to it. I suggest we do it next week. All right. The next letter is by Trent Eddy. It's a Model S taxi in Montreal. So uh, here he is in the Montreal that is all. And uh, he's driving around <laughs> oh, in an S, a taxi that's an S. And he said uh, here in the Montreal that is all, there's actually a taxi company that has a whole bunch of Kia Soul EVs, and he just wanted to say, watch out, Uber, this is very exciting. And I pronounced his name correctly. Tom didn't, so there. Good job, Mel. I'm proud of you, buddy. You did it good. I don't know. You you said it right last week. I don't know if it was the same as how you said it this <laughs> week, right. to be honest Nobody with you. Knows. It's unknowable. <laughs> uh, Bruce McMillan. Is that right? Gosh. Yeah. I did it right again. Oh, that's good, yeah. Tag, no, 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 so this is uh, Bruce is our friend from .au. So he's from Austria. And uh, he, he, was, he was the one that was driving around and the wallaby went flying in front of his car. I hope you went and looked at that video. It is really good. So he is driving in uh, Outback Australia, mate, in uh, Victoria, where I grew up, mate. And uh, he's showing a video of how good uh, hardware 1.0 is at looking now when there are no lines. So it used to be you had to have really well-striped lines for your hardware to say, I know where the road is. And then it was pretty good with just one line. And he's driving through Outback Australia, mate, with trucks and sheep and kangaroos and wallabies all over the place with no lines. He's got his hands on the steering wheel, but he's showing us how well it actually stays in the right place on the road without any lines, suggesting that the software updates to hardware 1.0 have been quite substantial. And I've got to say my experience in the X is the same, that it has gotten substantially, demonstrably better in the last few months. It's getting pretty good. It's, I don't suggest you do this, though. It's learning. It's, it's learning. learning. Thanks, Bruce. And he really quite enjoyed the Monty Python skit about, uh, is your name not Bruce? If you didn't hear that, go <laughs> back to last week. Going zero. So now there's a bunch of emails about going zero. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there are talking Tesla Patreon subscribers, people who are helping us. 
support the show. So we sent them a teaser to Going Zero, and we had a bunch of people who gave us feedback. So to Diego, to Chad, to Sam Holford, to uh, who else here? James Curry and many others who gave us feedback. Um, thank you very much. I'm still working quite hard on Going Zero, and I'm going to be sending you Patreon people some of the first episodes to give me your feedback. Um Paul Burton sends us this one. It's an article that says the newest Tesla Model S rival has been revealed. It's a 745 kilowatt hour Lucid Air Sports Sedan. No, that's not kilowatt hour. Kilowatt Lucid Air Sports Sedan set for production in 2018. Anybody excited about it? Well, I don't think it you know achieves what we're looking for to get mom to drive the kids all around town, all electric. I don't think she's going to be doing it in the lucid air. Um, I read a recent article that had the same frustration as me. We keep getting teased, these incredible Batman-looking cars and stuff, but that's not what we need. We need inexpensive cars that go a long way and then charge fast. And, yes, it works really well at CES when you've got your Batman car that goes really fast and has a 1,000 horsepower, but um, enough already. They're, cl- you skip- they're claiming a 650-kilometer driving range. That's good. In this bad boy. So it's like 500, 450, 500 miles? I don't know what the number is, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it looks really sweet. But again, it reminds me of Vapor. I want to see it on the lot, available for me to walk in, put money down, and buy. Battery pack being supplied by Samsung. Mm, maybe old phones. They're just tagging them together. <laughs> no, it's no. the explode. No. <laughs> there, I think you skipped a letter from Chad Oliveri. He said here, second email, uh, talking about Bolt Chatter. Uh, he's excited. It sounds that uh, they're putting it out, even though they're only putting out 30000 a year. And uh, he's, uh, it says here, when Tesla Model 3 deliveries will surpass Bolt sales after Model 3's first delivery, uh, my vote is four months. So, so he's yes. voting. So they've got a bit of a head start, right? right? A year head start. They're yes. going to maybe sell 30,000 of them. He sells. He says from the day they deliver the first Model 3 to the first company, to the first customer, Tesla will surpass all of that production in three months, in four, four months. months. What do you think? I think he's right. I think it's going to be yeah. a little longer, it but it's not going to be much longer. But once it's up, they'll be doing hopefully 30000 yeah. a month. Sam Holford was – And he says, n- stop cutting our chatter out. Oh, now. trust me. He we, wants a two-hour show. We need to cut the chatter out. <laughs> My gosh. Um, Sam Holford uh, is the New Zealand dude who liked the Going Zero um, – uh, sizzle reel, as it were. But he said, I can't pick up from the airport. I've got to work that day. You know, he was the guy who was going to pick me up. Yeah. yeah, yeah That's great. Whatever. Now you got to rent a car. So uh, what am I going to do? Chad uh, Toll, is it? Yeah, Chad Toll from St. Paul, Minnesota, said, uh, you know, he loves the show. Of course he does. Um, but he lives, uh, he's got this cabin up in the woods. And he wants to put some solar panels on there. And he'd love to put a Tesla power wall up there. But he doesn't know anything about it. So make sure you talk about that on Going Zero. Yeah, so you have to talk about output, right? So he wants to be completely off-grid with this cabin. You know, the question really is about the output of the power wall and what electricity needs he's going to have while in the cabin. It would be cool if he put up a power pack and uh, and was completely off-grid, and then he could be like a Tesla remote charging station, like we were talking about before. Sandeep Vora, I believe is how you pronounce it. Is that right? Sandeep Vora. Well done. Thank you. Uh, He's talking about destination charging. He's got a big, long email here. He broke the rules. It's a really long email. Actually, it's not that long because he did a lot of pitches. But 
In summary, he says, you know, destination chargers and Teslas all should, by default, have the 72-amp charger. And the reason for that is because it is twice as fast as the, or almost twice as fast as the 48-volt charger. And so if you've got lots and lots of Teslas out there, amp, sorry, lots and lots of Teslas out there and Model 3s, um, you want to be able to charge these cars pretty quickly and move them off and next one, next one, next one. And I actually agree with that. I used yeah. to say it doesn't matter because, uh, you know, you just plug this in overnight. But if these are going to be at the Starbucks, if these are going to be at the Costco, you want them as fast as possible because you've got an hour. I would love to see the European version of the really high amperage chargers that can do 120 miles of range in an hour of charging. Can we do that cheaply? That would be cool. You're saying 120 miles not from a supercharger, but from a wall-mounted charger. Yeah, from the European high-speed, fast AC chargers. I'd like to see that in the uh, Uniteds that are states. <laughs> Did you, Mel, buy the dual charger on the lease that you will pick up tomorrow? I absolutely did, young man. I have gone back on what I used to say. Well, ah, okay, single charger is fine. No, I want it as fast as I can. At all times. Uh, then he's talking about full autonomy, and um, there is a video he shows which is absolutely fascinating to me. There's a video, you know how there's the snaky snake, the autonomous snaky snake that Tesla made, then you pull your car up and the autonomous snaky snake, it comes up your car and it opens up the little uh, charge port and it sticks itself in there and charges it up. Some dude, just obviously some engineer, geek, dude, megastar, made his own. And it's a little video. It's not as cool as the autonomous snakey snake, but the guy made it work in his garage. And I say to you, sir, all of those Legos that you had when you were five, <laughs> your parents did well. Yeah. I remember when this uh, came out, Deepak Mittal uh, built this erector set charger device. You know, it looks, it's in his garage. It looks kind of hokey. It's a little bit jerky, but it, it does the trick. It plugs the car in. You see the car start to charge. Of course, you need to have some other software connection because you need to have the port open. There needs to be a person there for this solution. But the reality is that what we need is to have the supercharger stand in the middle of like two or four parking spaces, able to just plug the cars in as necessary so we can more automate the supercharging process, decrease the number of superchargers needed and or uh, enable us to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of cars supercharging a day. Yeah, my anxiety about supercharging may get fixed by uh, that kind of technology. Single stand, snaky snake, four cars, plug them in, autonomously driving away. It's going to be okay, Mel. It's going to be okay. Uh, Ryan, uh, sorry, yes? Well, I mean, I guess in some situations it's going to be okay when we're talking about the people who park in the cars overnight. Like, that's really the thing. But when you show up at the supercharger and there's a line of 12 people, that's not really going to change much in that except for the fact that, you know, maybe when they're charged, they'll be able to to leave on their own if that owner didn't come back. But, you know, Tesla already has that other solution in place where they're going to be charging people it's going to help. It might, so it's yeah, a combination right. it's of be all the combo. things, right? I think you're right. Robert Healy uh, liked uh, the prototype of Going Zero. Thank you very much. Great feedback from him. Ryan Scanlon. 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 Oh, he also just liked the, the Going Zero prototype. Yeah, a lot John, of people liking it. John Ford is talking about the social cost of carbon, and I haven't had a chance to read that. There's a couple of new letters that were dropped in here, so we'll do those next week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, 
going zero, working hard on it. If you're a Patreon subscriber, then um, I'm going to send that stuff to you so you can listen to it. And thank you for helping us. CC just sent me an email about one of our Patreon subscribers. And if I can find their name here, one moment, please. Looking, looking, here it is. One of our Patreon subscribers by the name of David Kittle just edited their pledge from 10 bucks a month to $20 a Ooh. month. David, that's commitment. OMG. Good on you, mate. And oh. I've got to say... I'm going to send you something extra special. Yeah, I'm going to send him something extra special. It's not going to be like some dirty underpants or anything like that. Right? No, that would be gross. I'm going to send him some behind-the-scenes audio. Ooh. David, thanks, mate. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Don't release, don't release the Voxer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. God, David, do you want you something do. extra special? No. We have a four-hour Voxer storm, <laughs> which was terrible. Oh. But, look, I do want to say I really appreciate uh, those Patreon subscribers. Um, if we could get enough people, we could make this much better and do more interviews. And that's what I really want to try and do in the next year is to make this better and better and better. And people have been asking about the holiday schedule. There is no holiday schedule as yet. Christmas is Sunday. The 26th would be Boxing Day. That would be a Monday. Are you guys around? Do you want to do one on Boxing Day? As of right now, I'm around, but who knows? I could... I'm a very whimmy person. He's I'm whimsical. a whimmy. He's, whimps- he's a I'm wimpy whimps- person. Whimsical. What about you, Robert? Are you around? I am around. All right. Then uh, I think we can do it next week as well. So we're never taking a break from this show. No, we're well, I'm going to New Zealand, so ever. it'll be early in the new year. We'll have to take oh, a so break. So you're going to take a break. I'm going to take a break. Oh, you guys fun. can do it if you like. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for listening to the show. And uh, we will talk at you next week. His name is Robert Rosenblum. That is He's correct. over there Adios. in the collar that is Ardo. And Will you stop <laughs> with that already? Oh we are going to get oh so God. many letters people about that. You're perseverating so heavily. More? I've got a dreidel, and uh, now <laughs> and I know what that is. And a ladle. We've learned things together. A dreidel. I am so stupid, it's unbelievable. <laughs> His name is Tom I Wilson. He's at. the smart one. People still think that the jury is out on whether or not you're the smart one. Oh, I think one. the jury... <laughs> In a twelve this week. to zero verdict, I said think he wasn't sure. Yeah, I think developmental delay issues aside, Mel's a very smart guy. His house was must have been painted in very thick lead. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Talking Tesla is a production of Foolie Incorporated. Produced by Mel Herbert and CC Herbert. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenblum. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash Talking Tesla. Finally, if you love the show, write us a review on iTunes.